0: How have we been doing, man? Doing all right? Good to see everybody here, man. This has been a really tough week for me. Some of y'all know kind of what's been uh, going on. They're kind of closing my school down where I'm working. So I'm kind of in this little transition period, you know, where you're going to be next year. So, And I'm kind of worried, you know, because if it's too much, you know, am I going to be able to do this and that? Or if it's, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, praying, I think the Lord's got it all worked out. Um, but it's been a seriously tough week. Too much on my mind. I'd planned on taking a day off Wednesday and spending it with my wife, but that was the day they were going to come and tell us the news. I'm like, well, I got to go to go to work. Wish I hadn't. I wish I'd stayed with uh, <laughs> much, much better than uh, than what you know what I ended up uh, experiencing. So it's been a tough week, and I just want to tell you guys, man, I love coming here. You know, to Lifeline uh, Community Church. You guys. Um, I've visited uh, Life Group a couple of times, and y'all welcomed me, and y'all have been so good to me, and um, I really, really appreciate it, so I do, uh, I'm just glad to be here, um, and so before I get started, let's pray, um, Father God, um, I just want to take a minute just to just to say that I love you, and that even though, Lord, when I'm weak, you are so strong, Lord, you You've proven over and over, Lord, that you've, you've shown up for me. You've 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 worked things out for me, Lord. Uh, sh- surely. Um I just want to I just want to thank you, Lord. And I just ask, Lord, that you take this message that I've been working on all week and I feel so scattered and I just feel like um I don't know. You knew from the start I didn't know what I was doing, Lord, but I just ask that you take over my my sermon, take over my words, take over my spirit, Lord, and um, open the hearts, Lord, to the people in this room, Lord, including mine, Lord, that we can um, hear you, we can see you, we can feel you, we can just know you more and love you more leaving here. Lord, may we never enter this room and uh, experience you and leave the same way, Lord. Uh, let us always be a place where we come and we feel your presence and we Um, We just worship you and honor you and leave just so much more in love with you and so much more ready to to conquer the world and our everyday tasks that that we have to do. We can really learn to do them for you like we're working for you, Uh, not for people, Lord, uh, for it's you we're serving. So, Lord, just bless this time together, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, So, you know, I was thinking, um, and I didn't finish my, my temptation uh, sermon, fighting temptation, and um, I wanted to finish that. I, I was trying to get it all wrapped up today, um, but I don't know if I if I quite will today. So, um, you know, as I was thinking about all this, and I was listening to the last one, you know, the one thing I guess I really don't like about preaching is, you know, some of the things that I end up saying, you know, some of the things I end up telling y'all, and, and I'm like, wow, did I really just go there and tell them all that stuff and you know, I look back over it and I'm like, well, you know what, it's, it is it is what it is, you know, you get me, you know, up here, I'll tell you the stuff I do right, I'll tell you the stuff I do wrong, I'll tell you in my past, you know, what I've done right, what I've done wrong, but uh, we know that in all things, you know, God works things out to the good for those who do what, who, who love Him and are called according to His purpose, um, so, you know, end up telling y'all, you know, a bunch of that stuff about my past, you know, when I listen to it, I really don't like doing that. I don't think I think about it much when I'm up here doing it, but you know, when I go back and listen to it, I'm like, wow, I really said that. Um, but the one thing I do like about preaching is the presence of God. You know, when I, when I start praying, you know, and you start just feeling God and, you know, I love when y'all tell me about, you know, yeah, when you started talking about this, I started feeling God and God. And you're telling me that he's changing you, that, that you've you got a hunger for his word. Um, but the thing that we've been talking about, you know, fighting temptations, is we've got to realize, man, that hidden sins destroy the presence of God. And when I was reading in my just regular devotion time, Ezekiel chapter 8, I ran across a couple of verses. Check out uh, 8 verse 6. And he said to me, son of man, do you see what they're doing? The utterly detestable things the Israelites, the people of God, are doing here—things that will drive me far from my sanctuary—and you know we got to realize, guys, there are certain sins that if we carry with us on and on, and we don't go to war and we don't fight them, that they drive His presence far from His sanctuary from these. Services, and here you see the people of God giving in to all these detestable things. And if you go back and you read them in context, you know, pretty much what they were doing was yes, they were still saying, Yeah, we're the people of God, we love Him. But then when they would see these other gods, the other gods that other people worshipped, you know, they'd say, well, hey, you know, these guys worship Baal, the, the god of rain, and, boy, they sure seem to be blessed, so why don't we just give some offering to Baal, and maybe it'll rain, and that'll be our, you know, we'll get a good crop, and we'll make some money, and we'll be wealthy. And uh, so they started giving credit to, to people like Baal, you know, n- you know, not necessarily forsaking God all of a sudden, but including these other gods. And then they would see these other gods who would be in these temples, and, you know, they had, like, temple prostitutes and stuff. So, literally, people would go in there, you know, and have sex. And, and all in the name of worshiping their God. So, you know, of course, the Israelites say, hey, you know, hey, if we just start kind of worshiping that, you know, we get to engage in that activity. And these things started just making God sick. You know, you're going to call... Me, you know, the first commandment, don't have any other gods but me. And you're going to start including all these other gods? I don't think so. It drives him far from his sanctuary. But he says, you'll see more detestable things than this. And look at the the next one. He says, "Um, son of man, have you seen what the elders of Israel are doing in the darkness? So, you know, we go from the people... To the leaders, to, you know, the people up front, the people, you know, leading worship, the people preaching, the people on leadership, people making these church decisions. Have you seen what they're doing in the darkness? Each at the shrine of his own idol. And they say, the Lord, he doesn't see us. The Lord, he's just forsaken the land, you know, and they start murmuring against him. And it says the leader's doing these things and they say the Lord don't see us. And, you know, we think that, you know, we can kind of come in here and and live our lives kind of the way that we want. Or at least I did this for years that I could go Monday through Saturday and do everything that I want to do, whether it was for God's word or against God's word, it didn't matter. I could come in here on Sunday and still experience the presence of God And you can't do that. So while you know I was people in the congregation, you know, the Lord dealt with me on that. And and He I had to have some things removed from my life before I could come in here and be any kind of leader. Hidden sins destroy the presence of God, especially it's from leadership, but also from the people. In the congregation. And so, that's why I've chosen to spend a couple of weeks on fighting temptations. Because if this church is going to be what God wants it to be, we have to, as a whole, wage war against sin. Especially the stuff I talked about last week. The obvious sins from Galatians chapter 5. You know, the, the, the sexual immorality, the, the drugs, the, all that kind of stuff. This, the, the, they're obvious And so, and and I've been there. I know what it's like to put on a front for church and hope that nobody knows what's going on. And my private life, you know, I've been there. And I believe, in fact, that leads me to, to there being three types of Christians today. And I've been all of them. I've been every single one of these. For one, sin is just a part of your life. And church, God, whoever, just has to get over it. You know, so yeah, I'm here on Sunday. I hope that God's up there and He's got a grade book and He's taking attendance. And if my attendance gets checked off enough, He's going to let me into heaven. And so, but yeah, as far as Monday through Saturday, that's my time. I do with my life what I want. And last week, Paul said very plainly, plainly, I warn you, like I did before, those who live like this. If this is your pattern of life and you say, that's just who I am, that's the way I am. Get over it. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. So sin is just a part of your life. And God, you just going to have to get over it. You know, so that's some, some people's attitude towards sin. The second, kind of the second stage is, you know, you may still be doing this stuff, but sin is constantly being convicted. Um, this, is, this is not necessarily a bad place to be. So, you know, I remember the transition when I would live Monday through Saturday, kind of how I wanted it. And then Sunday I'd go in and I'd get in under some real good anointed preaching and I would start feeling conviction for all of this uh, sin. And you know, the, the kind of the nice thing about conviction is you're feeling God in some way. And I remember when I wanted to lay all those sins down, I was kind of worried a little bit about it because I'm like, well, you know, at least when I'm convicted of my sin, I feel God. I I didn't know that on the other side of being free from sin, there was this presence of God that's just magical and awesome and powerful. So that was kind of hard to let go. But once you do let go, it leads to the third type of Christian, which I believe is living free. From sin, and I don't mean all sin. I know when you get down to to the details, we all fail and we all fall short. But I'm talking about these obvious things that we've been talking about for the past few weeks when I talk about Galatians and all this stuff. The sins of the flesh are obvious. So, yes, I know what it's like for sin to control me. But I also know what it's like to be free, to be... Deliver, to have old temptations placed in front of me and just to be able to, t- to laugh at the devil and say, you're going to come at me with that? No, I rebuke you in his name and you're never going to get me with that and just to kind of just get that little feeling of like, man, he just tried to separate me from God and just stomp on him, just crush his head. We can do that. There is a freedom and this is what I want for you. I believe this is why I'm here. I believe we must learn to fight temptation. I want to see Lifeline Community Church just take a different approach than I've seen in the past. It seems like in the past I go to churches and they just want to hear a good message and feel a little bit better and then go back out and kind of live how they want and come and something just feel a little bit better and then go back out and live like, live like they want. But, but I want us to take an offensive approach to this. You know, as we get up in the morning and we pray, let's remember that line in the in the Lord's Prayer. Lead me not into, into temptation. Deliver me from the evil one. You know, Lord, I know things are going to come at me, but, but you know, do like Job. Lord, make, them, make the devil come to you and beg to touch me. And anything that comes my way, I'll just look at it as a trial from you that's going to purify me, that's going to bring me closer to you i'll just look at it as like yes the lord is bringing me to this and guess what he's going to lead me through this and i will come off the better side he's using the devil right now he's not devil's not coming to me with these little temptations but you know the lord's just allowing this to sharpen me to bring me closer to him to take a very offensive approach to sin in our lives. No more just playing defense and trying to just hold on till the Lord comes back. But no, we're going to grab our sword of the Spirit and we're going to fight evil and we're going to take an offensive approach to this. So, so getting into the, the temptation part, uh, good news and kind of bad news with, with temptation. The good news is the devil doesn't really have any new tricks. Um, he can't Create. He was created just like you and just like me. He was created, and so he's very kind of limited in what he can do. He wants to be God, but he can forget it. He's not the creator. He was created, and he is limited by God. So in the Bible, you know, every trick that he has has been revealed to us. And so the bad news, though, is, is those tricks are very Effective, and they get what seems like most people I mean, they got me you know for years and years, and I'm not saying I'm immune to it by any means, okay I mean, I mess it up and I get it right, and you know I repent for my failures and I rejoice in my my successes, but uh, his methods are very effective, so just we're going to go to the temptation. In the wilderness, and I was kind of going to kind of do a quick review. if you missed any of the um, last week, go back, you know, listen to it. I go into a lot of detail about this stuff, but Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. Okay? The tempter came to him. When did he come to him? He came to him after he had been fasted, after he was weak. And last week we talked about how the tempters come at you when you're weak. You know, if uh, if you're you know feeling you know unloved you know by God, you know he'll the devil will make sure there's somebody there to fulfill that that void. You know, in a in a wrong way. Uh, there's there's all kinds he'll come at you when you're when you're weak. Um, and he said, if you are the son of God, and that's all he said. And remember, when Jesus came up from being baptized, the voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I'm well pleased, whom I love, and I'm well pleased. So the, the devil will leave all that out. He will never remind you of God's love and how he is pleased with you and how you are his son. He'll just say, If, if you're the son of God. If you've really been saved, if you were a Christian, wouldn't you do this? And he says, tell these stones to become bread. Fulfill this need in an unlawful way. Um, Tell the stones, and I kind of related the stones to rules. Just kind of let the rules, uh, follow the rules real well. Let that feed you. Let that sustain you. But Jesus says, no, none of that. It's written, man shall not live by bread alone. But on every word that comes from the mouth of God man shall not live on bread alone it's not just about satisfying these temporary desires over and over because they will always come back and you will just need more and you'll need more to just satisfy it at a temporary level but if you can learn to live on every word that comes out of the mouth of God then you know that's that's how we do life that's how Jesus did life and that's what he teaches us. So part two kind of starts here. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point in the temple. Now that part right there really kind of you know, kind of scares me a little bit, because I think about uh, as a preacher, how, how you know it's not always. I think God that raises somebody up to the to the level of being a pastor or to be a preacher or to be you know kind of an overseer. I remember one of uh, probably my first religious kind of memory uh, is of watching you know I was a kid and I don't know how old I was uh, but watching TV and you know seeing uh, Jimmy Swaggart crying and you know saying he had sinned and I remember asking my granny. Um, you know, what, what's up with that? You know, why, why is he crying, you know? And she said, you know, something like he had committed adultery or something like that. And I didn't have a clue what that was. It probably came out something like agriculture. And I'm like, you know, I don't know. So he plowed somebody else's field or something. I don't know. Um, but it was kind of just, just kind of strange. And so it's like um, as you see that kind of thing happen, You know, he had such such an empire, and I'm not bad-mouthing him at all. I still watch him sometimes, and I love to hear some of his messages. He's still anointed to preach. He still kind of has that gift. But he was raised up on such a high mountain, and it's like, you know, did the devil lead you here? Just so he could say, jump off. Now, then let everybody watch them fall and say, well, yep. There you go. You know, there's one more of them Christians, you know, saying they believe one thing and doing another. There's another hypocrite. And you don't have to wait very long to get on the news and say, "Yes, mega church pastor Doing this, you know, embezzling millions of dollars. Make a church pastor, um, you know, failing, you know, morally, you know, or something like that. And it just seems like there's so many people being raised up on these mountains just so the devil can say, you know, jump. And when they fall, everybody's like, yep, you why would I want to be a Christian, you know? They're no different than me. They don't live uh, any different than me. And he says, so if you're the son of God, if, once again, if... You know, no 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 mention of God loving you. No mention of God being pleased with you. If you really are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it's written. Okay, now, how about that? For it is written. Jesus had just said that. So right off the bat, this is kind of scary. The devil knows Scripture. And he probably knows it, I guarantee you he knows it, better than us. He knows the words Of God. And his goal is to take those words and to twist those words and put them in your mind so that you may think you're following God, but you're perverting the truth. You're taking it out of context. So, you know, he says, He will command His angels concerning you, they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Now we'll find out in just a minute that he's, he's taken this verse out of context and he's trying to say, hey, if you're the son of God, and so the Bible does say, hey, the son of God, he's, he's not gonna be able to strike his foot against, he's not gonna be able to be injured. So sure, go on up to this high place, you know, get in front of everybody, throw yourself down and let everybody watch the show. Let everybody watch God heal you, protect you. Because if you're the son of God, he's gonna do that to you. Right? And so here's Satan taking something out of context to try to get Jesus to do something to, that, that's wrong, that goes against what God would have him do. And so what I, what I think he's doing here is, uh, and I think what the temptation is for us is to justify our behavior. If you want to get up there and do something wrong, God's okay with it. Look, there's even a scripture there to back it up, justify your behavior. And for some weird reason, when I think about this, I, when The Simpsons first came out, I used to love to watch The Simpsons. And uh, I remember watching one episode where Homer had figured out that Lisa could read all those odds and gamble on football and was like really, really, you know, good at it and making him a ton of money. And, you know, Homer's like, you know, woo, and making him just all kinds of money. And Lisa said, wow, I can't wait to tell mom she's going to be so proud of us. And Homer says, "No, let's not be telling mom." She's like, "Well, why?" He says, "Well, um, mom may may not agree with what we're doing, even though it says it's okay in the Bible." And she says, "Where?" And he says, "Um, somewhere in the back. I don't know." (laughs) And so uh, he, he, you know, just if I can find some sort of little verse to to justify. My behavior, you know, even though we we know that it's wrong. And so people do this all the time. You know, one of the things I think about is, uh, you know, it's like, wives, submit yourself to your husbands. You know, men love that verse. You know, like, you're a woman, you're supposed to submit to me. You know, I'm the man of the house. I make all the decisions and all that stuff. And, you know, like it says so in the Bible. You know, just next time, ask them where. Where does it say that? I don't know. The book of... Abraham, I don't know. You know, they, they don't know. <laughs> they, they don't even know where that is. But if you read the context of that verse, it's it's clothed in be, make, making wise decisions, making wise choices. And it's clothed in husbands, you know, you know, love your wives as Christ loves the church. So yes, the more you do your part, it's going to be very easy for your wife to submit to you if she believes you are wholeheartedly following God himself. It's going to be easy. But we like to, you know, when the guy wants the bass boat and the wife wants to feed the kids, you know, it's like, well, the Bible says you've got to submit to me. You know, I get to do kind of what I want. And you know, we take these verses out of context to, to make it fit what we want to do. You know, you think about something even more simple like dressing modestly. Several, you know, denominations, there's different people have, have said, all right, well, this is what modest means to us. We're gonna dress this way, and it's gotta have this look and everything, and you try to, you know, categorize everything so that you know that, that that's the way they look. And and it ends up becoming just some rule that people follow or because they think it makes somebody else happy or the people in the church. It's not done necessarily out of a love for God. It's just done as just another rule to keep, you know, and then, you know, who gets to decide the standards? You know, you're wearing a short sleeve shirt. No, you should wear a long sleeve shirt. That's not modest. Who gets to decide that, you know, but if you're wholeheartedly following God out of your love for him, you will know, he will reveal to you, you know, what modest dress is. And he will, he will show you the things if, you know, you'll read and you'll seek him and you'll follow him. And I remember when I became a, a rule keeper. And the worst part about it is, you know, when, when I finally, you know, quit cussing, you know, when I finally quit taking my drinks that I would take every once in a while, all that kind of stuff, when I, when I finally stopped all that, immediately... I started looking down on other people who did those things, and I'm like, why? You know, now I look back and say, why would I do that? But it's like I was brought up here in the high place in the temple, and then I was looking down on everybody else on all those other sinners that didn't do it like I did. So, you know, guy, the the devil would love to just kind of turn you into some sort of rule keeper and live the life the way you want, and you have some verse to find. And to live by that way. And so what he's he's I think Satan's trying to do is get us to challenge God's love. Find out what you can get away with. And what it sounds like today is God is love. He's therefore he won't let anything bad happen to you. It's what he just told Jesus. Throw yourself off. God will have to protect you. And so we get this sense that, uh, you know, hey, you know, I'm saved, you know, I've said the prayer of salvation, I can live how I want and not have anything bad happen to me. And, you know, we see people challenge this kind of stuff all the time. You know, it says, you know, don't be, you know, sexually immoral, don't go after all of these things, but, but people do it anyway, and, you know, they say, hey, you know, God, God don't have to forgive me. He's a good guy, right? So, you know, I can just kind of do what I want, ask for forgiveness. He's kind of obligated to forgive me. So, you know, is that the way it's supposed to be? You know, when you're bored and, you know, uh, and you, you start, you know, taking those drinks, you start taking those drugs, you start taking all that stuff. And, you know, well, it's all right. You know, God's cool with it. The Bible just says don't get drunk. I can kind of do what I want. You know, it's no big deal. No, it's, who cares? And so go ahead, you know, challenge the spirit. That's what I believe is going on here. You know, put on, I think the the third temptation that that we kind of experience is just put on a show for church. It's all about a show. Adam, get up there and just say some good things and make them feel good. You know, just put on a good show. It'll draw the crowds. Outwardly show how godly you are, you know, and outwardly show how much you know. You don't have to be fully consecrated to the Lord. You can kind of pick and choose and do do what you want to do. But look at the verse that Satan used in its actual context. Psalm 91, starting in verse 11. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And these are the words that he left out. In all your ways. All of them. The big things... The small things. And then the, the rest of it's fine. They'll lift you up in their hands so that you won't f- strike your foot against the stone. But, you know, he was telling Jesus, yeah, go ahead and just do everything but this. You know, go up there and put on a show for him. You know, do a trick for them. You know, let everybody, that's probably, that's the way you need to do this. No. You know, in all of my ways, I need to honor Jesus. Him. And Jesus knew this. You know, this would be one way that wouldn't be honored to him. And I want to honor him in all of my ways. And the thing is, this is not the first time that Satan used this trick. Look back in Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 16. And the Lord commanded the man, You're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But when you eat of it, you will surely die so look at the look at the things you're free to eat from any tree in the garden but don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil when you do you'll die okay that was the word of god for for adam you know that was that was what he had you know we have this he had that okay now let's look at how satan twisted all of this in Genesis chapter 3, 1 through 6. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, look at this, did God really say? Did he really say you must not eat from, the, from any tree in the garden? Okay? Did, did, are you sure that's what he said? Because, you know, in fact, I believe, you know, if you look at it and, and uh, God told Adam... And then God created Eve, so, you know, this word would have probably come from Adam telling Eve, you know, listen, God told me that we are not to eat, you know, from that tree in the garden. So the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the tree in the garden. She said the truth, okay? But God did say, you must not eat from the fruit the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it. Now, where did she get that? You must not touch it. See, I believe this is one of the first times that a rule was kind of added by someone. I think Adam added a rule and said, hey, you know, let's just take it one step further and not even touch it. So, you know, if the serpent does hand it to her, she says, we can't even touch it. He's like, well, you're not dead. You know, so, so, you know, so it was just one more little tool, you know, that, you know, maybe Adam shouldn't have thrown in that extra little rule, um, and you must not touch it, or you will die. And then, so, okay, she reiterated the rules. Yes, she had, she had pretty much everything right, except she added one little thing. You shall not touch it. Um, but then look at, the, look at the lie. You won't die. Okay? God says, I will. Satan says, you won't certainly die. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw, the, uh, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And sin enters the world. And so when you think about these temptations um, for ourselves, you know, all the things that are going to be laid before us, you know, and we want to, you know, we, we see something like in Galatians 5, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, but she's pretty, she's cute, she wants to go out with me, she wants, you know, uh, but, you know, this is, uh, this little party is going on over here, this this is so enticing to me, you know, you, you hear both sides. Those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom. Of God. But God, he's a good God. He'll forgive me. And, you know, he's gracious. He'll do all, you know, He'll do all this. And it's just, and there's the war. And, if, and all the devil wants to do is just get you thinking about this. Think about what it will be like to, to be like God. Think about what it will be like to experience this. Pleasure. Think about what it'd be like. Look what you're missing out on. Everybody else is doing it. It's not that big of a deal. So we see that Eve lost, and Adam lost the temptation. How would Jesus respond? You know, with all of this temptation. Remember, He's been tempted every way, just like us, and so you probably even to, to a greater level, He's been tempted. Jesus answered him, it's also written. Okay, yeah, so you, you, you pull your little bit of scripture out of context. Do not put the Lord, your God, to the test. Don't put him to the test. Don't test him. You know, just because you've heard God is forgiven and he is gracious and he is loving, that don't mean you should go out here and live any way you want and to find out you know, don't put him to the test. Don't do that kind of thing to him. And so don't put the Lord your God to the test. Look at where Jesus drew this verse from. And let's look at it in its context. Deuteronomy chapter 6, 16. Don't put your Lord God to the test. And then there's a little extension. As you did at Massah or Massah. And so immediately I looked at that and said, Now what is that all about? And so when you go to Exodus chapter 17, you know, there's a little story. You know, the the Israelites had had gone through the the Red Sea. The water parted for them. They've seen miracles. It's just been, been unbelievable. And all of a sudden, they start complaining to Moses. Did God really bring us out here just to die? We're hot. We're thirsty. We're suffering. We don't like any of this. Do another trick for us. Moses, why don't you just go ahead and do one more thing for us to show us that God's really up there and he loves us because this doesn't feel so good right here now that I'm going through this. I'm going through this hard time. Why don't you do another trick for us? And so God speaks to Moses and he takes the leaders and he goes out and he takes his staff and he strikes a rock and water blows from the rock. Okay, so they got what they wanted. They got another trick. They got their need temporarily met, and he called the place, Moses did, Masai, which means testing, because they tested the Lord. They tested him. Um, and they Meribah, which means quarreling, because they quarreled with Moses and quarreled about God. And they, they tested him, saying, is the Lord here or is he not? Is he the Lord among us or is he not? And guys, we all enter this place after we've gotten saved. Life gets hard and you start wanting to take some easy way out. You start wanting to take some shortcuts and you're like, well, Lord, where are you? Do you love me? If I am a Christian, shouldn't you be kind of helping me out? And it looks like everybody else gets the benefit of living in sin. And here I am trying to do what's right. And Lord, you, can't, you haven't even provided me any water. It's hot and it's hard. And, you know, we found out last week he takes you out into these wilderness to find out what's inside of you, what's inside of your heart. How much are you going to serve him? How much are you going to, you know, love him? Are you going to stay with him? You know, are you going to, are you just going to quit as soon as it gets hard? And it's so easy to ask that question, is the Lord among us or not? And band, if you want to go ahead and come set up, um, I want you to think about one disciple. And I'm going to end this temptation message um, with this. Uh, In John chapter 14, verse 8 and 9, there was one disciple named Philip. And I know we've all been to a place where we can identify with Philip. He says, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Do a trick for us, Lord. Just open up heaven, and let's just see all this stuff, and then I'll be good to go. with all this faith stuff, I won't even have to worry about it anymore. I'll just know for sure, and it'll be so much easier for me to go out here and walk with you, Lord, every day and do what's right. It'll be so much easier if you'll just show me the Father. But Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Don't you know, me, this had to hurt Jesus so bad after everything he had seen. Even after I've been among you such a long time. Even after you saw me heal blind eyes. Even after you, you saw me take lame men and stand them up and walk. Even after you've, you've seen everything that I've ever done, you still have to say, show us some trick. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us The Father. So, guys, I just say all that to say this, or you know, it's not about us trying to just get away with what we can and live kind of the way we want, and then come to church and just kind of hope we can say some prayer and make everything all right and keep that cycle going until we're until we die, you know, and hope we get to enter heaven and everything will be all right, guys. It's more about learning, you know, how to fight temptation, how to live free from all of this stuff. And I'm not saying I've been free from it very long and I'm not saying I'm free from everything. You know, I'm not where I need to be, but praise God, I ain't where I used to be. And the more we give our lives to him and the more we submit to him, he purifies you more and more and more and then you get to the place where you're just walking daily with him you know no no real high highs or no real low lows you just you walk with him and you make the right decisions not based on your feelings but based on it is written